What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Welcome back. Welcome back to Money and Politics in Delaware. First segment, we did conflicting signals, the discrepancy between DFAC and the DOL's projections. Next subject, SB 62, Senate Bill 62, I believe uh, former legislator, Uh, Greg Lavelle brought this one to our attention in, and in a soundbite, there is a proposal in the Delaware legislator uh, legislation, or making its way, trying to get through a proposal. That's what I'm trying to say, to uh, give a cost of living increase to qualified Delaware pensioners. So we started with that. Then the next paragraph is okay. Per Greg's request, uh, what's the cost of it? And $25 million in fiscal 20, $50 million-ish in 21, $74 plus million in 22, and it keeps climbing and climbing and climbing. Let's start with you, Dr. Stapleford. Look back and tell us about SB62. Well, as you said, Dace, it's uh, taking the annual cost of living and adjusting the pensions of retirees accordingly. And... Given what we talked about in the first segment, the the first question you ask is, you know, even if this were fair, uh, because they do do it now, the state does apply a cost of living adjustment to the pensions of the state police. So even if this were fair, uh, can we afford it? Well, the state comptroller general uh, did an analysis, and you cited the numbers on the annual basis, 25 million, 50 million. But the bottom line is that a cost of living applied to for all state employees would increase the unfunded liability of the pension fund by $2.6 billion. Currently, the unfunded liability of the pension fund is $1.5 billion and climbing. It's on an upward trajectory. So you're going to almost double the unfunded liability, uniting $2.6 billion to the $1.5 billion if, in fact, according to the the uh, controller general for the state if you do this cost of living adjustment. Then the question becomes, well, how critical, how much is it needed? Uh, let's look at, at the numbers. Over the last 10 years, the benefit, average benefit to state uh, retirees, pension benefit, has increased 26%. Inflation over that 10 years was 12%. So right now, without any cost of living adjustment, the pension benefits of state employees is going up at twice the rate of inflation. The state police average benefit is going up 58%, and the judiciary is going up 51%. And I think part part of the issue here is that the AFSCME, the Union for the State Employees, is rightfully looking at what's going on with the police and judiciary and saying, we want the same, <laughs> we want the same thing. Now we come back to the question, you know, the Comptroller General with the $2.6 billion liability, we come back to the question, can the state afford it? 
there's three sources of revenue for the state pension fund. One is the contributions by the employees. That's set now at 5% of salary. The second is the earnings from the assets of the pension fund. Those earnings uh, went up uh, over the last year, 17 to 18, went up by 0.7%. And then finally, there's a contribution that comes from the state. Uh, and in, in other words, it comes out of the general fund and it comes out of tax dollars. Over the last 10 years, that contribution has gone up 104%. And just like the unfunded liability, it's climbing uh, very steeply. <laughs> so you come back to this question, the, the bottom line question, uh, even if a COLA would be fair, even if it would be great for people who are pensioners, number one, their pensions are already rising faster than inflation. And number two, it just doesn't look like the state can afford it fiscally. Next subject, who, what is EFI, Eddie Frank Indian, EFI, what is it? The Fraser Institute uh, does an economic freedom index every year. And the Fraser Institute uh, report on economic freedom is one of the most widely used uh, reports by a think tank uh, in the world. And it's described as uh, the best available description of efficient markets. And according to its index of states, economic freedom of states in the United States, Delaware has gone from a rank of 10th, 10th most free uh, in uh, 2002, to a rank of 38th in 2016, which is the latest year for which they have data. Now, there's been this Economic Freedom Index has been researched and researched, and over 250 studies show that this Freedom Index is tied to growth in per capita income, growth in per capita uh, output, uh, as well as various measures of entrepreneurial activity. So economic health is uh, definitely related, definitely tied to the Economic Freedom Index. And so the question becomes, uh, why in the heck has Delaware fallen from 10th to uh, 38th? And the, the two biggest uh, reasons are, uh, the first is a tremendous increase in transfer payments as a percentage of personal income. And that happened after the 2007-2008 recession. Transfer payments we include uh, welfare, food stamps, Social Security, Medicaid, Medicare. Uh, the the second major uh, factor playing into this is there's a category called other taxes, which includes all kinds of fees. And I've, I've asked the, the U.S. Department of Commerce what's in there, and they haven't gotten back to me yet, but it's like a catch-all. That category of, of uh, taxes has increased more than tenfold since 2002. So those two factors alone have have put a crimp in the Freedom Index for the state of Delaware. And then finally, we've had an increase in the personal income tax, and we have a high, relatively high personal income tax for median income households. And so that's the third factor, the third weight on the scale that's helped to to put a crimp in the Economic Freedom Index for Delaware. So again, it, it's gone from uh, what number in 02 or 04 to 38? Uh, in 02, it's a rank of 10. 10. 
and uh, a rank of 38 uh, in uh, 2016, we did fall as far as a rank of 40, 41. We're actually tied for a rank of 38, so you could say essentially we're like 30, 38, 39. So it, it's, it's not, the trend is, it's not a good trend, that's all. All right, two minutes left. Let's clean one up from last week, Senate Bill 8. <clears throat> Again, Greg Lavelle, former legislator, to his credit, told us about a month ago, beware SB 8. Well, lo and behold, it was passed and it made its way to the House Labor Committee. Data Delaware issued a special edition uh, pointing out the National Right to Work Committee had taken an interest on it. That was Tuesday. Wednesday, it was fast-tracked. And Thursday, I believe, it passed the uh, passed in Dover 38-2. to two. In 30, 45 seconds, what should people know about SB 8? Well, it, there's two things. The first is it, it, it really is of no importance if you're not a state employee generally, okay? But if you're a state employee, the collective bargaining process, the heads of the union have taken over control of your compensation, including your pension. So the, the collective bargaining process now, uh, is rather than the employees being able to talk to the legislators and so forth, the increase in wages and pension is going to be under the control of the management of the union. The second thing that you should care about if you're, if you're a resident, a taxpayer, is for sure the union's going to go after this cost of living adjustment to the pension. For sure they're going to push for the highest wage. And wages have been going up close to 4%, 3.7% a year, well ahead of inflation. Quickly. So they're going to press for more. So your taxes are going up. The letter reads, by making compensation a subject of collective bargaining, this legislation strips individual state employees of the fundamental right to negotiate for themselves. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> SB8 coerces workers into paying union dues. This bill is an assault not just on state workers, but on the taxpayers of Delaware as well. End of quote, again, from the National Right to Work Committee. We'll see you back here next week for more Money in Politics in Delaware.